This week's episode brought to you by Pillbox, the pill delivery service with no prescription required. Did the angle leave your dangle? Are you always tired? Maybe you just need to tune in, turn on, and drop dead. Pillbox has the solution for you. This monthly subscription service sends prescription meds straight from Peru and sometimes Nicaragua to your front door. Is it legal? Could we advertise with such a reputable podcast if it weren't? Pillbox. Grab a handful and go. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, a sick fuck who is always near death. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm David Day. And I'm Bryce Hansen. And I am so sick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your whole family's a nightmare right now. It's been gross. Let me tell you the things I do for our listeners, but I'm here infecting Bryce and his family in his home for you. So, today we'll be talking... I'm super excited today. Super excited. It's gonna, Regardless, it's a great episode today. I'm very excited. Ah, ah, ah. Because today we'll be talking about the summer of 84, which is a... Uh, actually, it's gotten a lot of talk, a lot of hype around this movie, and it's a Shudder exclusive made, made for and by Shudder, or AMC, who owns Shudder. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. True story. Yeah, and and it, and that's interesting to you, I assume, because you've also heard a little bit of hype about this movie. Well, I remember when it came out. It, it came out August of last year, and there was definitely a little buzz about it. I didn't realize that there it was so closely related to Shudder, but it makes sense because it was a Shudder exclusive pretty quickly. Yeah. And it only had a limited release when it was in theaters. Yeah. Oh, it was. This was in theaters. Yeah, yeah, it was in Portland. We went and saw the house that Jack built in, instead. No way. Yeah. Oh, I'll be damned. I'm pretty. Sh- I don't think this ever hit theaters. I'm pretty sure that's what I remember. Professionals, folks, we're professionals. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start by uh, we'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of one to ten. One being bad, ten being great, five being totally average. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Later in this episode, we'll be playing a game called Lifetime Movie or Horror Movie, where Bryce has to, where I read the description of a movie, and Bryce has to guess whether that's a description of a horror movie or a Lifetime movie. I've been thinking about the way this game works a little bit, and I'd like to add a little bit of a parlay onto it, or a little bit of an extra rule, where if you can actually guess the name of the movie being described, Mm. you just win the whole thing. Okay. And it makes kind of the rest of the game superfluous. I also think we need to expand it beyond Lifetime. We can keep the name, uh-huh. but we should probably like include, you know, Hallmark movies. Ooh. Um, oh, God. Like, um, there's got to be some other production companies that make Lifetime-esque movies. Hallmark movies are like Lifetime movies on crack. Right. 
which BJ Novak in the office said, I love it when people who've never done crack talk about doing, talk about how things are like things on crack. Right. <laughs> I love that line. BJ Novak's such a dick in that show. <laughs> hate him. I love to hate That's how I know he's probably the best character is because he's, I, I hate him. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so it, yeah. It's also impressive that he's, he was one of the main writers on that show. So you know that he, as a writer, made himself the dickest character. It is very interesting knowing that. Yeah, the yeah. producer and writer, I think, of the show. A made man because of that show, uh-huh. basically. Um, my child has a book written by him, and it's yeah. ba- it's very bad. Bad? I, I thought it was a cool concept. It, yeah, it's one of those conceptual uh-huh. books that it sounds cool, and is cool to an extent. Like, anyway. Yeah. Um. Later in the episode, we will also be doing some horror movie news, and don't worry, we're following up on the hot poop talk from last week. We're gonna we're gonna be discussing in depth on what has happened to Bryce's bowels, and uh, oh, I'm you so know, excited. I'm so excited for this episode. Giving you giving you an update from from there because inquiring minds want to know. Right. So if if you recall, if you didn't catch us last week. Bryce had an impaction. I mean, we should probably save it for later. About a week-long impaction, so we're just going to be catching up on that <laughs> later in the episode, teasing that. But first, we're going to plug our website, horrormovietalk.com. Check us out there. We have write-ups for every episode, blogs, and also you can find us on social media where we're probably most active on Twitter and Facebook. Also got the gram which, uh, you know, not so active on there, but by all means, hit us up and <laughs> we'll do our best not to ignore you. We post new episodes every Wednesday, so subscribe and leave a review on the podcast delivery service of your choice. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher would be great to leave reviews on, just saying. We also join the Amazon Associates program, uh, which means you can support us by just going to our website, horrormovietalk.com, clicking on the green button at the top of the page, and then click, and that brings you to Amazon. And then from there, just buy anything you want on Amazon. And you, if you want to really help us out, you can bookmark that link and use it as your portal to Amazon forever. That gives us a little a little way to wet our beaks. Also, if you would like to support the show, and I should mention that this movie is exclusively av- available on Shudder, I believe, you can go to Shudder, enter our code at checkout, HMT, and you get a free, free 30-day trial to try out Shudder and see if it's something you'd like to uh, like to subscribe to for an annual pass which is only like $3 a month if you pay for a year. So Yeah. That's HMT for Hose Mean Trouble. Hose Mean Trouble. HMT at checkout mm-hmm. at Shutter. So thanks again for listening and uh let's get into the show. So we went uh so we went and saw Shutter in our homes. Uh streamed it uh saw Shutter. We went and saw the summer of 84. We went nowhere and saw Shudder. <laughs> we went nowhere, <laughs> saw Shudder, and watched summer of 84 on it. And it was nostalgia-rific. This was a movie very much like, uh, what is it called? Adventureland and Stranger Things and all these, oh, 
tur- the Turbo Kid, all these movies that oh, play it Ready Player One. Well, I mean, that's kind of a stretch. It's a it's an eighties nostalgia. I'm not thing. saying Very- it's just like Turbo Kid. I'm saying the goal of this movie is to deliver nostalgia into your right. brain. Yes, this is true. Okay. So, so without without further ado, let's play the Summer of 84 trailer. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. Preferred targets appear to be males aged 12 to 16. It's a serial killer. The Cape May Chronicle received a letter from an individual calling themselves the Cape May Slayer. There's a serial killer on What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. 12 o'clock. Guys, Nikki Keshuba. Scientifically the perfect woman. Huh. Better view of my room than I thought. Silly dreams. Emergency meeting. Treehouse. Now. Mackie is the Cape May Slayer. Mackie's a cop with a sick reputation. They're counting on us. David. Hey. Guys, I'm freaking out, okay? Relax. You look like you're 30. It's gonna be fine. Now go. You're gonna get caught either by Mackie or your dad. I know I'm right about him. That doesn't prove anything. Are you with me? I don't want anything bad to happen to you. We're trying to save people. Yeah, well, you're not. Guys at the station are gonna love this. <laughs> Just let it go. Sorry again that you're grounded. Let's see if I can get you out of this house. No hard feelings. You were wrong. You were wrong about everything. Even serial killers live next door to somebody. Summer of 84 can be found on Shudder right now. You can check it out there. Enter HMT at checkout. It is a story. The, the, kind of the, the synopsis of Summer of 84 is teenager Davy Armstrong is mired in conspiracy theories and basically weekly world news articles. Davy begins to suspect that a neighboring police officer is a serial killer who targets kids in the Cape May, Oregon area which, might I add, is made up, called the Cape May Slayer. So he thinks that his neighbor, who is a cop, is also a serial killer. And with some help from his friends, Davy begins investigating the perp, which which eventually turns into a dangerous game of cat and mouse. Summer of 84 was a pretty fun nostalgia trip. Uh, It isn't crazy or pandering, um, as crazy or pandering as movies like Turbo Kid or Ready Player One which really seek to like soak you in nostalgia, like dip you in a vat of nostalgia. This is just kind of more low key, uh, similar to not, mm, yeah, similar to Stranger Things, similar to uh, Adventureland, I believe it is. I don't know what Adventure. Oh, that was the the, the theme park. Yes. one. Yeah, Adventureland. I, it, well, I know the one you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably the title. Yeah, I think even Stranger Things delves into the pandering territory. A little bit more. Because it's very much, I mean, just the whole concept of Stranger Things is like, let's take every Stephen King adaptation and adapt it. Exactly. Into one show. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as pandery in summer of eighty four, but it's definitely there. Like the synth wave music, yeah. the all the arcade games, bowling alleys, like Yeah, there wasn't as many like pop culture call outs in this movie as there is in you know, some of those other movies that are specifically created to pander. Right. Like but there is like, hey, let's go to my house and watch Close Encounters. Yeah, but in like, different, oh, okay. yeah, in different ways, it, like the structure of the character structure is set up more like an '80s movie yes. than any of the previous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, than any of the previously mentioned, like the character structure in this movie is straight ripped from an actual '80s movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, including the love interest that is inexplicably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like attracted to this young boy. What does that? That doesn't make any. That's the least believable part yeah. of this whole thing. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So, uh, summer instead. Summer of '84 takes a close look at a boring old summer turned exciting, aka dangerous. It's very similar in feel to kind of Stranger Things, like I've mentioned several times now, and I can't stop. This movie is. It's a, also like Stranger Things, right? <clears throat> This movie is kind of a mashup of Rear Window meets The Burbs uh, meets Stranger Things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wrote down Rear Window first thing. Yeah, me too. Uh, what's that? What's that? Um, what's that mo- kind of recent remake of Rear Window? Oh, uh, with like, like Justin Long or yeah, one of, those, yeah, one of those. It's it's like it's it sounds like suburbia, but it's suburbicon yeah but it's like uh terrifia or or like spooky i need we need to find out now let's just keep making up names ter terribia horburbia scaradelphia <laughs> killadelphia uh, suburbland horrifica Shia, it had Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, it did have Shia LaBeouf. Disturbia. We we're <laughs> so close. So close. Yeah, Disturbia. So while Summer of 84 slumps a bit in the middle, uh, it really impresses me that an outfit as small as Shudder, even though they are backed by AMC, managed to pull off such a high-quality production. In fact, all of the made-for-Shudder exclusive that, exclusives that I've watched so far have been worth my time. I, I have not felt ripped off one time watching a, a Shutter exclusive, so I'm giving this a seven out of ten. What uh, what say you, Bryce? Not into the mic. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I mean, I don't want to say you're wrong, but is this a sh- was this really made by Shutter? Like, because I, I, I usually it's it's marked like if it is a Shutter production. It's marked something different than if it's just an exclusive. I, I don't know. It might be tangentially related. This is not important, but eh, it doesn't matter. But my score for it, this is what you're actually asking, not yeah. asking me to tell you you're wrong. I don't know. I wasn't super impressed with it. Um, and there's a bit of uh, 80s nostalgia. Um, what's it called? I'm just getting tired of it. Yeah. Fatigue. Yeah. 80s nostalgia fatigue. And I tried to like set that aside and just view it as its own thing. Yeah. 
that being said, I only think it's slightly better than a like an average movie. I'd, I'd give it a six. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's on par with Happy Death Day to you because they're they're good for different. They're better than average for different reasons. Um, this one is very like middle of the road in terms of plot and setup. It's very it's a very simple idea that's been done before. It might not have been done really recently, but it's a movie that I've seen at least five times, and it always ends up being like, okay, well, how are they going to end it? And you have to wait till the ending. And then you're like, okay, is this unique did they did they do a good job of wrapping it up and i think they did a slightly better than average job of wrapping it up but throughout it's a little it was a little slow it does have some pacing took their took their time a little too much and didn't really explore um you know some some of the kind of interesting things or create as much doubt or conflict as they could it was more of like we we believe this and we believe it the whole time and then here's evidence right and then here's stuff that contradicts it but we still believe it like there's no the the main character never doubts himself which makes it a lot less interesting to yeah, me yeah yeah i'm not going to lie to you all of the things you said have, have were are va- are completely valid and I struggled with like for me I was I was just flip flopping between a six and a seven uh-huh. on this for a long time. And it's if it's a six for me, it's a high six, but it's not. If for, I think for me this is a low seven. Yeah. I kinda you know, which brings me to something that I thought about a lot specifically because of this film, which is I kinda wish we had a a, a zero to one hundred score <laughs> thing. Because because it makes so much more it's so hard to pin down even in in a scale of 10 well that's funny because like the standard is four stars you know if you look at four or five is it four or five stars i think it's It's five it's usually is it four i think it's four that's the okay because you know or i mean i guess rotten tomatoes is on a scale of 100 but that's a different thing altogether but yeah i mean it's weird that well, and then there's Siskel and Eber. It's just like two. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's good or bad. Yeah, up or down. Yeah, but because for me this would be a, a seventy. If this was out of a hundred, this would be a seven zero. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's obviously subjective, but to me, I think when I get into seven territory, I get into the territory where I start getting excited about referring people to watch it. Yeah, I'm saying like you should. You should definitely watch this movie. It's worth watching, and I'm just not in that territory for this one. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's an okay movie. Like it's good. You won't. It's not a waste of time to watch. But I'm not gonna go out and say like this is a good movie. Like I want people to watch it. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I think for I think for me this this is a good a good movie. Uh, it because. I still kind of like the 80s hype train. Yeah. And and I I like what they did with the end. The end was great yeah. on this. Yeah, there's good there's lots of good things about it. Yeah. Um it's not it particularly ha- exceptional to me, but I mean I I did like it and I would say like yeah, it's worth it's worth seeing, but I'm not yeah. like emphatic uh, about it. Yeah, I'm not going to think about it a lot. Afterwards. That's fair. 
Yeah. So with that, let's let's move into spoilers so we can uh, so we can talk about exactly why this is what it is. Spoilers. So the first beat for me, uh, I'm th- I, I was I'm always impressed when a movie seeks to create a new town that doesn't exist in real life, and Ipswich, Oregon, is that because I immediately bought. I was like, oh, there's a town in Oregon called Ipswich. Yeah, or what was it? The May, Cape May, Cape May. Yeah, like. Yeah, I looked it up and I couldn't find it on Google Maps. Right. I yeah, I was I was completely bamboozled, 100%. And I'm and I'm a native Washingtonian who lives, you know, a couple minutes from from the Oregon border. So right. So I I'm pretty familiar with Oregon. Pretty pretty darn familiar. And uh and so I bought in 100%. And the effort when when movies seek to make a a real life place that doesn't exist. So a, a fake place like um, like Stephen King's universe. When movies seek to do that, and they go to this extent to to make it, re- you know, so they put like Ipswich on the pol- on the badges of the police officer, and they put Ipswich on the police cars, and they put Ipswich on all the signs, and they put Ipswich on on every day da- the bowling alley, and it's like God, that's a lot of effort to make like a cohesive little town universe. That doesn't really well. Exist. I mean, uh, even more impressive is just doing any period piece. Like, can you imagine just having anything in the frame not be older than the eighties? That, yeah. I mean, it seems crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it, that's the magic of movie filmmaking. But why? But why <laughs> though? What? Why would you do this to yourself? There are real towns in on real capes that exist in Oregon. You can just do that. Go ahead. Yeah. Use their sign that says Newport. You know, yeah. go go for it. And it's filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. Is just it really? Like, just like everything that's based in Oregon or Washington. Oh, probably some sort of tax thing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There is some stuff that gets filmed in Portland, and there it's always like everyone's excited, like, oh yeah, it's gonna it's in Portland, like this is the the native production, you know, well, let's go watch it. And then it's always like mm, yeah. Doogie Howser's going to be walking around Portland. See if you can spot him. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day, it was the... Uh, yeah, what was that? Benes- Grimm. Oh, yeah, Grimm was filmed in the Pacific Northwest. But the movie that I remember, lots of buzz about. Because Benicio Del Toro and and uh, Tommy Lee Jones were in the area. Was uh, Hunted? The Hunted okay. or something like All that? All right. Yeah, no one saw it. It was... Not a great movie. See, apparently. I I was around for the filming of The Road, The Road. Oh uh, yeah, I with, guess that's the most notable with Vigo. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he was on on land that I was a public servant on, so kind of a big deal. I saw some cameras one day. So. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, we're easily impressed by production. Yeah, the sets the sets in this movie were really well done. Their ability to maintain that this was the 80s was was great, uh which is always impressive to me in these period piece movies, even if the period is only the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like that's still 30 years. That's 30 years. Like that's pretty crazy to think of 
being able to, you know, really pull it off. Because, I mean, everybody can still remember the 80s. You got lots of, you got lots of critical eyes looking at this going, that's not from the 80s. But they did it admirably. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, 84, I was two. Uh Uh-huh. And what was 35 years before 84? Whoa. Like, into the 50s. You just blew my mind. It's like... Wow, it was 50, yeah. Before the Beatles. God damn. So old. Yeah. Wow. We're old. Yeah, so I was born in the summer of 84? So kind of a big deal there. This movie, maybe that's why this movie resonated mm, with me more that than I got you. an extra point from yeah, David. I was like, well, I was, I mean, you know, I got to give it the, got to give it the old looky loo because I was born then. So, you know, the soundtrack is pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be with lots of edgy sort of synth wave and Kavinsky-esque tracks in the original score. There was also a song that I love and I... <laughs> I, I say I love it, but I can't remember what it was, and I can't find it. And I looked for a good 15 minutes last night to try and figure out what... Is it the one where they're on the bikes? Um, I think so. It, was, it, was, it wasn't an original score. It was a, a song from the 80s. Yeah. Was it the Bananarama one? I don't know. You were so much older than me in the 80s, so you'd probably remember. <laughs> Cruel Summer? Is that the one you're thinking of? Cruel Summer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah, like that song a lot. Yeah, they actually made a note in IMDb that the Cruel Summer by Bananarama plays while they're riding their BMXs exactly the same positioning in the Karate Kid with Daniel LaRusso riding his BMX to the same song. Yeah, those BMX bikes. So it's it's tapping into the subliminal 80s nostalgia Yeah, right there because it's stealing directly from karate kid hyper liminal mm-hmm. uh the those bikes uh, those bmx bikes back then were just called bikes bikes <laughs> <laughs> and uh and they remind me exactly of my first bike like i had a, a diamond what do you call it diamondback that was exactly those bikes yeah so um that that brought brought things back for me let's look at the main character Davy, played by Graham uh, Vercher of The Good Doctor. Uh, he played the young autistic guy who was... Do you remember The Good Doctor? This no. show about an autistic doctor who was good at being a doctor because he was autistic? Oh, like, no. I just saw like the trailers and I was like, oh, this is so fucking dumb. <laughs> the, so the I main, love how they make autism a superpower. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they're not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> So Davey uh, is the quintessential 80s movie star character. Like, think Elliot from E.T., the extraterrestrial. He's slight of build. He's relatable to the everyman, dorks, but not jocks. He's skinny, so he can't be a jock. And basically, (laughs) he's the human equivalent of vanilla ice cream. There is no one more milquetoast than Davey. That is one of the things about 80s movies that I think that's one of the reasons why they're seen as this resurgence of, of uh, you know, the 80s aesthetic is they so refreshing. Right. They did it right. Is that specifically they do kids in movies pretty good. Accurately. Like they're, I mean, I don't remember the, the kids in movies being super accurate to my age, but 
they were definitely more interesting than kids in movies now to where like kids in in movies are always everyone super smart and quippy and like has the uh joss whedon dialogue and they talk like they're in their 20s yeah and uh the 80s did a much better job of of uh honest portrayal of a kid making kids like yeah unsure and I think I think it had something to do with who was who's really spending their money at the theaters, you know, then versus now. I think I think now you got a lot of, you know, 30 and 40 year olds spending their money at the theaters and right. and now and and but in the 80s it was, you know, I mean that's why slashers picked up is cuz you know, kids in high school were excited to go see something titillating. Yeah. And uh and they wanted somebody who they could kind of relate to and and so characters were much the kid characters were much more honest and the adult characters were much more goofy. <laughs> like look at look at the burbs. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes adults in the 80s were assholes. They were so like every, stupid. Every single adult in the 80s in Fucking 80s movies adults, are man. like either they just won't listen to kids or they're just incredibly dumb when it comes to yeah like logic so i think i have i think i i think i need a little bit more you know a pat on the back for making that observation because that's pretty it's pretty dead on right yeah okay go ahead what okay davy's three <laughs> friends fill the appropriate roles he has three friends and they are the following you have the nerd curtis and he is a nerd you have the bad boy, Tommy, who is a bad boy. He wears leather and he, you know, he talks about. And he's sarcastic. He's so sarcastic and edgy. And uh, and then you have Fatty Fatty 2x4, played uh, by, uh, uh, who is Caleb, played by Dale Woodworth. And so you have, you have your, all your stereotypical characters. Slow, fat boy. You have the dork, and then you have the bad boy, and then you have totally vanilla Davy, mm-hmm. like Davy who has nothing. Like, right? He is he is almost genderless if it weren't for the fact that he was the uh, the excitement of the super hot girl next door. Yeah. The friends all provide humor in the movie via boys will be boys style masturbation and your mom jokes. Mm-hmm. The that, that was one question I had. I don't remember your mom jokes being in the eighties. Yeah, like I remember very specifically that became a theme with uh, the well, you the, lo- the uh, emergence of hip hop and. Uh, in the early 90s, well, late What would 80s. you know? You were eight in, in 1990. So, I mean, you still loved your mom. <laughs> Do you still love your mom? I still love my mom. Oh, okay. But I don't remember seeing your mom jokes in movies. You know, I mean, I watched lots of movies back then. I don't remember it being a thing. In the eighties, yeah, no, not so much. But um, so we're referring to a lot. So Caleb, the fatty, fatty two by four, was his mother was a smoke show. She was a good looking lady, and all the other boys were just like, Ow! <laughs> like you know, they were constantly making making advances to Caleb about his mom, and uh, and 
And so that might be that might do a little bit to explain what you're talking about. But, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Your mom jokes, maybe maybe not so prevalent, prevalent, prevalent. Relevant <laughs> in uh, in the eighties. You know what? If we have any lister, listeners who are so fucking old that they remember the eighties, well, then uh, you should tell us if your mom jokes were a big deal. Yeah, in the 80s. if you were fifteen, fourteen, or fifteen in the eighties. Oh my god, in so eight, old. In early eighties. Tell us if you told your mom jokes. Yeah, I'm interested to know. Yeah, hit us up at horror movie talk on Twitter. Okay, so now let's talk about. The neighbor, the hottie. Yeah, Nikki is the neighbor slash heartthrob played by the beautiful Tira Scovby. So this is the one of the uh, 80s tropes that does not quite translate into modern films where it's like, hey, this hot girl, let's let's uh, Let's peek at her, peep on her, peep as uh, she's undressing and then she catches me. And then the realistic portrayal would be, stay away from me, you creep. Hey, creep. I saw you creeping on me. Stop creeping, creep. Yeah. And uh, instead, she's like, (laughs) she just randomly like. She shows up at his house at like 1 a.m. For no reason. And she's like, hey, baby. And he's like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was confusing to me. I thought for sure something sinister was going to happen because it was. So out of left field. Like, that doesn't, that does not happen. And yeah. if it does, I want to hear about it. It just went from like zero to we're in a relationship now for some reason. Can you imagine? Okay. Can you, let's, let's do this for a second. So you're a 15 year old boy and you have <laughs> testosterone fucking jacked through your brain, uh-huh. through your balls. You're just really. Losing your mind on this horrible drug called testosterone. You have a smoke show of a neighbor. She is a good looking girl and her window faces your window. Right. And every night you're standing at your window with binoculars and you're like, damn it. She just looks so pretty. And then one day she looks over and she catches you looking into her window and you. As she's taking off her bra. As she's taking off her, obviously. And your heart leaps into your throat and you duck and you're like, oh, no, everything's going to be awkward from now on about everything. Like, I can't even talk to her like a normal person. Fast forward one day. The next night, she knocks on your door at midnight, comes in, puts a finger on your chest and runs it down to your (laughs) tum tum. And you're like, and you instantly explode in your shorts. And then, and then you're like, okay, does it, could that ever happen? Is there a scenario where this happens? That's what's so funny. Cause that is the scenario in every 15 year old's head of like, yeah, this can happen. Oh. This, this is what I want to happen. Yes. I just want her to come over and just, you know, offer sex. Maybe if I take my shirt off like this at the pool in front, like I have to make sure I'm like in her. But not even that range of vision. Just like that's even way beyond like the logic of of uh, just testosterone of just sitting there and watching and thinking to yourself like, yes, I, I, I need this. 
This, yeah. this will I will will it to happen in my mind because it's like the well, the fuzzy to... the fuzzy logic of like all right I <laughs> if we're gonna really go deep uh, you're looking at this girl and you're gonna I mean they're they're very open about referring to the spank bank yeah in in this movie so your masturbatory logic is like all right what's the fantasy what's gonna happen like oh yeah she just comes over and it's the easiest thing ever i don't even have to treat her like a human being she just treats herself like a sex object and uh and then somehow that that thinking transfers over to real life to where you think that's how women work boy that's a totally different i my experience is was very different in that I like I worked things out like I was like, well, they're never going to just come over to me. That's just well, no, it's that's never cause you, that's because you're smart. It, All you have to do is go to like some red pill um, subreddits or, you know, the the uh, the people that have so the, the men that have so much entitlement that they're like, oh, bitches, just they just. They just fuck other dudes, but they're not fucking me. Like Hard Rock. I'm so angry. Like Hard Rock Nick? Like Hard Rock Nick. (laughs) And it's, you're just like, no, that's not how it works because they're human beings. And you know the same way how you look at women that are not attractive or don't have good personalities and you're like, yuck. No, I'm not going to think about that at all. Yeah. That's what these hot women look at you like like that just never answers yeah for me i always i always was like well this has never happened in the past and therefore it will continue (laughs) not happening unless i manipulate their you know their their thought process about me so here we go here i hope you girls like 15 year old man boobs because here they come (laughs) at the pool i'm just gonna hover over here in front of your field of view and do you like that do you like what you see and then they look away and act embarrassed and then i put my shirt back on and never go in the pool yeah so i mean it's it's weird it just does not feel natural or real at all but it feels like someone's fantasy of how that would work out it's very much how a porn starts a hundred hundred percent yeah it is a hundred percent how a porn starts yeah and which brings us to the humor in summer of 84 it doesn't hit great it doesn't no. it does not land no but it, there's lots of it yeah there's lots of just like boys will be boys like yeah, especially with the the one friend, um, Tommy. That's Tommy, that's the super quippy guy. Yeah, just like uh, yeah. it doesn't doesn't work because it's just very apparent that he is labeled <laughs> as the quippy, sarcastic guy, and they're not really. I don't know. Maybe it's just the actor that that played him, but it just. Didn't it just seemed like he was delivering lines in a sitcom and it wasn't really a yeah. character? Yeah, no, you're this is this is a this is a hundred percent. This is absolutely right. It's one of the things that doesn't work about the movie is, um, which which is actually segues into into a little a little bit that I I want to talk about the the two things the two big things that in this movie that didn't work for me were the pacing. It wasn't terrible. 
but it certainly could have been faster and they could have kept it at the pace that it's at right at the pace that 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 this movie presents itself as they could have kept it there if they had thrown a little bit more to the audience in terms of fun visuals or intriguing dialogue. And the way they were trying to do it was with this juvenile humor that just didn't land. And that's the problem. They needed they could keep this kind of slowish pace if it was if it was really fun, you know? Yeah. Like or if it was more charming. I think that's a, that's the I I can't put my finger on it, but when I watch Stranger Things, it's got a lot of charm. Right. Like exactly. Kids, the kids are very, yeah. It's charming. You you like watching them, and you like them like watching them interact, and it feels authentic. Sitting down and watching it is the act is allows you to decompress. Yeah, and this one it's like, all right, well, let's get going here. And this, that's like the feeling I got from yeah. watching the kids interact. There is some decompression with this because of the nostalgia, but it's not fully realized. Because the pacing is slow and there's not much else other than the nostalgia to kind of keep that that going. The, right. The other thing that uh, – that the other problem that I had with Summer of 84 was the suspense falls flat until the very last act of the movie, which means it's mostly a love story and a fun whodunit until the very last act. And it seems like there's about four acts to this movie, maybe maybe three. The jump scares are littered throughout this movie, and they are—they do a thing that bothers me a lot. They make the jump scares exceedingly loud, and <laughs> there and, was there was one jump scare that I really liked. Which one? I, I wish I pulled the the uh, recording of it, but it's when they're in the basement and there's no lights on. And they've got the they've got the VHS yeah. recorder. Oh yeah, I know light. the jump scare you're talking about. And they go and there's like a hanging light bulb. And they're like, "Oh, a light bulb!" And they pull it and it goes pop. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they're just I don't know. Just the timing of that jump scare in particular was really good. Of like, oh hey, there's a. Oh yeah, no, no, that's what it was. They're walking and the kid hits the hanging bulb and freaks out. He's yeah, like, he screams. Ah! He's like. Dude, it's just a light bulb, and they turn it on, and it pops. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That that one that one was actually fun and funny. Yeah, but the rest of them are kind of dangling in the wind. There's no setup for right. for any of these jump scares. There's just a, like a person who shows up in the window that you're looking out of, and is like, "Hey, how's it going?" It's like, <sighs> yeah, and it's really loud. It's like so loud. It's it's uh, that's oh, that is a. From what I see, a common complaint in horror movies is jump scares that are too loud and no setup. And this has a couple of those. Yeah, I think my main issues, my main issue with this movie is, yeah, the the pacing, but also the change in tone was alarming. Yeah, it was alarming. Between, like, the first part of the movie and the ending. And if they had had more connective tissue with the tone of the ending, this movie would have been a lot better. Like if they, so it's one if of the reasons ramped into it. It's one of the things that makes it so good is that it starts with the stakes high because Georgie gets his arm fucking ripped off yeah. by this monster. And you're like, Oh, it's this type of movie. Like that's the threat is communicated very early on. Yeah. Which is like, you see, 
how horrific this this monster that they're chasing after is. Does Georgie get 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 his arm ripped off, or is he killed? Is he eaten? Both. I mean, you don't really survive very long as a you know five year old when your arms ripped off. So he went to float right away. Yeah. Okay. Um, Spoilers (laughs) from the first like ten minutes of it. Um, Thirty year old spoilers. (laughs) The in this movie. All it is is kids are disappearing and there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. Which maybe I'm just desensitized. That that doesn't really communicate a lot of danger to me. So I'm, I just assume like, yeah, serial killers are out there and they're sometimes pretty close. It bothers me that everybody thinks that. Yeah. It really does bother me that everybody thinks that because I have to live with people who think that, you know? I mean, I we grew up <sighs> here... Yeah. In the shadow of, like, I, I'm, i like, separated by, like, two people from people that have been murdered by... Um, Wesley Allen Dodd. Wesley Allen Dodd. Yeah. We're not that far from uh, Ted Bundy's stomping grounds either. Yeah, and the Green River Killer. Yeah, so it's like, there's people around my neighborhood that have gotten killed by serial killers back in the 80s, <laughs> you know, right. back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I played in the park that... Uh, that Dodd did his did his did children his dirty deeds did his children stalking in. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the concept of a serial killer is out there is like, well, yeah, of course, there's there's a certain percentage of the population <laughs> that are psychopaths. Yeah, but if you show me what this particular serial killer does to his victims and that he's close by then that's more compelling than than telling me over a news report that he's close to this town. Yeah. He's in Cape May. And that would have that would have allowed you to have some t- connective tissue with the with the tone at the ending because the tone at the ending gets gruesome like suddenly. Yeah, like it's, it's it goes f- all of a sudden from like a you... nice wholesome Steven Spielberg thriller to Oh, we're in like West Craven territory. My eyebrows are fully raised. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which actually which brings us to the next point of the serial killer. Uh who big big spoilers for summer of 84. Mackie, the cop who is suspected immediately of being the serial killer by Davy the protagonist is the serial killer. And he's played admirably by Rich Summer who has done a bunch of shows you've seen but you Probably like if I named it, you'll know him from Mad Men. Yeah, Mad he's, Men. He's is... been a he's a relatively prominent character on Mad Men. Promulent, promulent. Thank you. Yeah, and he's he's a cop. He's the ultimate foil in this movie. They they guess it's him early on, and they, leading which led me to believe, well, it can't be him. They guessed it's him, and then it's him. But it is it. But is it? It is. Yeah, it is him. It As is it him. turns out, it's him. But is it? Yes. Ultimately, the boys do their best to prove that it's Mackie until Mackie takes matters into his own hands as a police officer. He decides to find a patsy to pin the murders on and is celebrated on TV as the man who found the Cape May Slayer. So when when shit starts getting hot on the ser- on the actual serial killer on the cop, he goes, well, I got to do something. So I got to produce the I got to produce the per, you know the Cape May Slayer so he finds somebody pins it on him and is 
applauded for for his efforts. What did you think of of Rich Summer uh, and his performance in this? I think he was a good choice for the killer because he he looks so innocuous, and I was really impressed with him at the end. Yeah, but I would have liked a little bit more throughout the yeah. movie of like, and there's there's little glimpses of like, oh, he's there. He is really kind of conflicted when he's handing out those otter pops to the kids and the right and the and the summer day right and it's for me seeing movies like this it's it's kind of a feels like a lost chance huh it's kind of a catch-22 because i just look at what i'm expecting and i'm like all right well it's definitely not him like he that cop can't actually be the killer it's going to be a a switcheroo and it's going to be something, someone close to those kids that they didn't suspect. That's yeah. what the normal movie would do. But then as time went on, they never really set up or had any red other red herrings around who the killer is. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be pretty lame if they do that switcheroo. Yeah. And then they don't. Right. Then it's like, no, it's actually the guy, which is... More interesting because yeah. I don't think that that especially like in an eighties style movie, you look at movies that would do that, and it's it's never like the main guy because it's yeah. a learning moment. Right. Like it's like an after school special moment. Is Scooby Doo? You shouldn't have judged him by his appearance How or, or by what, what he did. You you have a limited understanding of the world, and this one is nope. You're totally right all along, and it's a good thing you never changed your mind or doubted yourself because he's definitely the killer, and he killed your friends. Yeah. To me, this is a bit of a missed opportunity because they could have done a very Silence of the Lambs sort of thing here where you don't get to – where you see his perverted, weird lair, right? right? If, 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 if you get to see his weird, horrible – like all his weird serial killer tendencies without seeing him throughout the whole movie and you get to see that, that f- fucked up room that he keeps below right. his house. Yeah throughout the movie and maybe his live victims that he's keeping in there. Yeah. That would have been that would have ramped that tension really really well and would have been really disturbing from the start. You've been like Jesus Christ. Anytime you get to know perversion or the serial killer or whatever it is, it's much more interesting than if you get to see him hand a shot of him handing otter pops out to kids on the street and then making a little bit of an angry face. Yeah, I think even <sighs> I almost wonder, would it have been better if it was revealed within the first act that that uh, the cop was the killer? Like, I, I feel like it would have, it would have, I would have had more enjoyment out of the movie just because of the dramatic tension. I mean, maybe of like of or the dramatic irony of the audience knows, and then the kids have to go through all this stuff of like finding out that. Oh no, he's he's not. Here's the explanation for all those weird things that they're noticing. Like here's why he's buying bags of dirt and here's right. why he's buying a pickaxe. And like, oh, it's all it's all explained and then you as an audience is like, "No, no, he's really the killer." Yeah. But in this you're like, "Oh, okay. I guess could go either way. I yeah. guess I'll just wait till the ending till it's revealed." Yeah. And that's what I felt throughout the whole movie, you know. Yeah, I, I would have liked to, to see. I, I do feel like there was a bit of a missed opportunity in there. Either you could have shown, 
he could have done what you you suggest and you know shown it was him, confirmed everyone's suspicions, and then built it that way. Could have done a Silence of the Lambs things with it. There's just a lot more that could have been, but instead it 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 focuses kind of on being a love story, which is you know it's like fine. a pretty lame love story. Yeah, more of just like a masturbatory fantasy story. Do, would you like to change your score? It sounds like it sounds like you're really down on this movie. No, I think it just it, these are the problems that disappointed me about the movie. The other than that, like it's it's well made the like it's it's got a you know well tested yeah. plot that there's ruts in the road that they followed and then you know made the choose your adventure decisions on and they did it well yeah the acting was was good there wasn't anything particularly distracting about the quality of the acting or the writing yeah you did mention that you 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 know you didn't feel like you wasted your time watching this right. movie so yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree with our critique of this so yeah. far. The capture of the fake Cape May Slayer kicks the boys into high gear, and they decide to break into Mackie's house, where they find where. Then this is where the 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 movie switches gears. Uh, they find a room full of a few of his victims, both alive and dead. Right. Um, the dead one is decomposing in a tub, and it is it is alarming to to see. Yeah. And the live one, you know, he's been kept a prisoner next to a tub with a dead person in it, a rotting person in it. Right. Uh, for who knows how long, a couple weeks at least. And it's just a dark room and it's super fucked up. And they realize that, you know, all the pictures of all the family in in um, Rich Summer's house, those are not, that's not his family. Those are the, those are the pictures of the families of all the vict all his victims. Right. So it kind of it kind of kicks into high sinister gear. And like I said, it this is where the movie flips the switch. Mackie goes on the lamb and and eventually grabs Davy and Caleb, the large lad, uh and plays a big game of manhunt with them. So he he like knocks them both out and then he and then he brings them into the woods and then he sets them free. And then he, you know, he does the, I'm coming to get you. Here I come. I'm gonna, you don't want to, you don't want me to get you. <laughs> kind of thing to him. Which, I mean, that's legitimately terrifying. If someone were to do that to right. you, to bring you to an island or something like that. Yeah, I, even, <laughs> I texted David after I watched the movie that as a fat kid, it was the most horrifying concept of you <laughs> a killer is after you a fit killer a fit killer well not even super fit but like he's he he's, runs he's a cop he's he runs um a fit killer is after you and you're a fat kid and your friend is super scrawny and uh faster than you faster than you yeah it's like well i'm fucked yeah <laughs> you don't gotta outrun the bear you just gotta yeah. outrun the yeah the closest like, guy to you okay that's that's a a frightening yeah idea. so anyways i i mean to this movie's credit shocking this is the best part of the movie and the like the redeeming quality of this movie is that um at the end your eyebrows go what that mackie does catch fat kid and does just 
unceremoniously slit his throat. Yeah, who, by the way, through, throughout this movie, Caleb, the fat kid, is the one you care about most. Like, he's the most human of all these characters, aside from maybe the vanilla in terms baby. of his In terms of his backstory, it's right. the best-sold backstory and the most, like... I mean, I guess pathetic would be a correct word yeah. for it. Of of just like you really feel sorry for him and his position with his with his mom. And then the direction of this movie just tosses him in the bin, man. Yeah, like they just unceremoniously crumple him up and throw him in the bin. It was the most compelling. Dis- the the ending that they chose was the most compelling option for they they kill the fat kid and then he. Uh, Mackie captures the protagonist and instead of killing him says like I'm just going to make your life miserable because I'm not going to kill you and I'll always be out there and you'll always know I'm out there and I'm going to come back and kill you yeah and that's like it's a truly terrifying thing to to say that to someone to be like the reason I'm leaving you alive and and leaving here uh, uncaught is so that I can so that I can plant this seed of terror in your head yeah. of I'm coming after you some point in your life and I'm going to fucking murder you and you'll never know when that's going to happen. Yeah. That, that being said, that being one of the best ending options they could do, I wish they had milked it more. I do too. Especially the, um, what's his name? Corey? Caleb. No, Caleb. Yeah. Um, he's the fat kid. Yeah, I don't don't want to keep saying fat kid. Uh, Caleb, his his death just felt like it was kind of they should have dragged it out for another like twenty seconds, you know? Yeah, of just struggle and like the killer toying with him or doing like a little monologue or something to where you're you're there and you're like they wouldn't. They wouldn't don't, kill Caleb. No, They're not going to kill Caleb. Like he's got he's, his poor mom. Like they would. They would never do that. That's then, not whoop. an option. Then, whoo! Oh my gosh, they went there. But it was. It gave you no time to really feel that. It was like, oh no, he caught him. What's going to? Oh, he's dead. Yeah, they did. There was no soaking. Yeah, yeah. Soaking. <laughs> <laughs> what is soaking again? <laughs> Can we describe? Was that from Adam Carolla? Uh, no, that was your question to me of, does, do Mormons do this? <laughs> the answer is right. unequivocally no. Soaking. Oh man. Do you want to, do you want to so, get into soaking? To me, it, it has to be an urban legend because no, no one would do this, but soaking is the idea. And for some reason it's Okay. Tagged- but by the way, before we get into soaking... That's that's the end of summer of eighty four talk. We we're now moving on to a few different things. One of which is soaking. Okay. Well, first let's give our final recommendations. Then. Yeah, let's give our final recommendations for summer of eighty four. Summer of eighty four was a fun movie that any casual fan of horror would enjoy. Uh, if you get done with Stranger Things and you feel like you need more eighties nostalgia, this is a great movie to scratch that itch. I would say. I would warn you against like, raising your volume on your stereo system too high because the jump scares in this are loud and that does bother people. That's my recommendation. What about you? Yeah, I think um, if you've got a hankering for a kind of middle-of-the-road, passable, 
serial killer really mis- selling mystery it really selling thing. It. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, there's lots of bad serial killer movies too. Oh yeah. Like if you if you like serial killer movies told from the perspective of people that you know are on like on the mystery, you know, then yeah, it's it's a good it's a good watch. Yeah. So back to soaking. Soaking. So this is the, and I love that it's like attributed to Mormons because it's like, okay, only Mormons are that wholesome and stupid that they would try to do this. It has nothing to do with being wholesome and stupid. That, although that may be or a desperate. Sm- small part of it. The, I think, I think soaking the reason the myth exists is because there's so many other myths about Mormonism that are unbelievable and true. <laughs> I don't know about that. I but, mean, you know, it's just a, it's just a weird set of beliefs. Well, yes, that's true. So, uh, th- this but soaking is soaking is the practice of since Mormons can't have premarital sex. the <laughs> The idea is, um, it doesn't count. This is a loophole. It's kind of like the butthole loophole, the poop hole loophole. The uh, the loophole is made famous you, by the Catholics. You just put it in. You, but then, then you just don't move. And then you let it soak. It doesn't count as sex <laughs> because you're not like humping, right? And you're just you're just letting it letting it sit there, and that's called soaking. So the to add to this, the the further part of the myth is that you get your friends to jump. So you lay on her on the bed, let it soak, and then get your friends to jump on the bed so that oh god. <laughs> This is an added level. So that now, well, I mean, we were just sitting there innocently soaking, and then sex happened because my friends had to jump on the bed at the same time. Yeah, but it wasn't us. We didn't. We didn't pro- provide the the physical gyration necessary to get the act done. And people that believe that this happens fundamentally don't understand the mind of a. <laughs> of someone that's bought into the idea of like i can't have i can't have sex but but they but they kind of do though because of the poop hole loophole with catholics they they, i'm not sure that that's a thing either oh that is a thing Uh, i mean the the difference is like there's real repercussions and like mechanisms to catch that the difference is the Mormon God is angry and vengeful, yeah. <laughs> and the Catholic God is just kind of like crumb. He just sits there and he doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't speak for Catholics, but from being Mormon for you know most of my life, I look at it as what would you absolutely draw the line at? And penetration is like that's not even in the that's not even in the books at all. You know, that's like. For example, in the singles ward, the the singles congregation where I met my wife, the bishop <laughs> gave a talk where he was saying, "Where is the line?" A lot of lot of the lot of the singles are asking where the line is, and mind you, this is not like high school students. This is like people graduated, you know, in their twenties to thirty. I think. I think the cutoff is like age 30 or something like that. So these are not children. 
that he's talking to. Um, but this is, you know, inquiring minds want to know. So he's like, all right, there, people are asking where the line is. Where Where is it? Where do you uh, know that you've gone too far? And his answer was, if you feel sexual excitement. Wow. I mean, I feel sexual excitement right now. Maybe yeah. just just because we're recording right. in the nude, but so if if you kiss the girl and you feel sexual excitement, then you've gone too far. God, like that's Lord. you should not you shouldn't go there until marriage. Life has to be fucking boring as shit. Can you imagine like God. the how how bad of guidance that is? But also, like, how impossible that would be of, I mean, the only way you could do that is if you were gay. To ignore our throbbing biological urges. <laughs> if you if you were gay and acting straight, that's the only possible way that you could interact directly with the opposite sex and not become sexually excited not even aroused that's enough excited. you're exciting me right now um, even then let's get on to hot poop talk okay. can you uh can you share with us a little update about like how the poop came did it come are you still constipated what's the deal because let me set this up last week uh bryce hadn't pooped when we recorded at this time last week bryce hadn't pooped in seven days no that's not true well he had had little deer poops you know little little poops throughout the day uh but but not he he had not had a satisfying movement for a roughly seven days and now we're seven days past that what what are we at now what happened uh so i think we're we're uh through the deepest darkest part of the woods cool 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 um this isn't really interesting is it did you take a picture of the poop I didn't take a picture. I, was there it was, big? There's no gigantic poop, oh. but I'm, I've become slightly more regular, and I don't have like vicious cramping. How did you achieve this this victory? Uh, I just took some laxatives. Oh, okay. I don't think it's. I'm not a hundred percent out of the woods. It's still touch and go, but I'm feeling better. <laughs> still touching. It's a waiting game. Also. Last night you sent me a video of a man vaping and said that's you. And <laughs> no, this man no, was No, that is not what I said. This I, man was very specifically doing big big vape clouds that were amazing and like, you know, doing, you know, moving his hands around this the vape and uh and and making it all like uh sculpted and and all this weird shit and he's like, "Do you do that?" or something. Like no. No, this is the exact text. I said my greatest wish for you is to become a vape wizard like this guy. Okay. And sent the video. Which and confused me to no end because, like, I was like, why, why me? That's, like, so specific. And 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 then what did you say? What did you say when I asked you? Why why would you wish this on me? You said, you said, why would you wish this on me? Like, why me specifically? And I said, you're the only person I know that vapes that this, I respect. This is a, a lot of Mormon situations going on in this episode. I, I Bryce has I apparently he's, he's, seen he's very He's a very uh, recreational, like, rare, rare vapor. Right. Like, just not even a thing at all. But I thought in my mind's eye, what if, what if David got <laughs> super into vaping to where he was like... 
manipulating big fat vape donuts in the sky and like making hearts out of them and <laughs> just really like modifying his vape pens. For and- some reason that offended me. <laughs> a, a little bit not a lot just enough to be like what are you talking about like i know because you watch that video and you're and your first question is who is this guy yeah what so weird to see it, people like snapping their fingers next to like to to like a, an o-ring and then making it like i don't know it's just like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> just you know f- blowing out fat fat vape o's yeah and Making him look like jellyfish and manipulate him. It, it's something. It's especially the part where he's like blowing out and pushing his hands behind the smoke to like push it out. It's like there's something. There's a lot like of theatrics. He's, like he's a, a vape bender. Yeah, the vape bender. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's move to lifetime movie or horror movie. Lifetime movie or horror movie is a pretty simple game. David will read a description of the plot of a movie, and I have to guess whether it is a Lifetime movie or a horror movie. You can play along at home if Bryce is kind enough to give you a a 5 to 10 beat following the question. Sometimes he just goes, oh, it's definitely a horror movie. Like, right, like almost almost before I finish. Uh Okay, so here we go. First... First movie description, uh, <laughs> a lonely young woman traumatized by a difficult childhood and her increasingly desperate attempts to connect with people around her is sent to a mur- into a murderous tailspin. Oh, wow. This is a good one. That's a good one. Wow. Right? I saw that one. And I was like, God damn, that's fucking perfect. Uh, a murderous tailspin. That could be interpreted so many ways. I'm going to say that that is a Lifetime movie. Ooh, I'm very sorry. That is a horror movie. Oh, <laughs> wow. I I was like this is the this is the holy grail of wow. movie descriptions. That is May from 2002, a horror movie. Damn. All right. Okay, next one. We got a teacher is harassed by a group of snotty, popular cheerleaders who think they can get away with anything. However, the teacher has no intention of taking their rude behavior. Huh. Um. Wow, this is hard. It really could go either way. Yeah. But I, I think that that's... I'm leaning more towards horror movie because I don't... Yeah, I'm going to say horror movie. <laughs> Wrong. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's a Lifetime movie. But the funny part about this movie is the title. Listen to the title. This is The Texas Cheerleader Scandal. <laughs> so it's almost a wow. horror movie title. The Texas Cheerleader Scandal from 2008. That's a TV movie. Yeah, the, I mean, that one's hard because it's... It sounds like a Lifetime movie plot, but I don't think that a Lifetime movie would focus so much on cheerleaders specifically. That sounds like an exploitational thing. Yeah, it it really does. 
but it's not. Yeah, that was a good one. Damn. Damn. <laughs> oh for two. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pull it together these last three. Man. Okay. A woman, after being left at the altar, has a brief liaison with a handsome stranger on a plane, which ultimately puts her and everyone else on the flight in terrible danger. This sounds so much like a Lifetime movie, but also like Red Eye. It does sound a lot like a horror movie. Are you actually guessing the movie? I'm actually guessing the movie. Is it Red Eye? I'm sorry. This is a Lifetime movie. No! (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Damn. I don't think she was... I don't think she was left at the altar in Red Eye. That's the part that I... I thought I could pull myself out. Fuck, now I've lost. I've lost all... All right, so now, if I guess that... The only way I can win is if I guess the title of one of these movies. Right, you you got it. So, that is non-stop. (laughs) 2013 TV Lifetime movie. Okay, this next one's short and sweet. Two American newlyweds in Paris experience a love so strong... It almost devours them. That's that's <laughs> bullshit. That's the, you. After we after we do this game, you can look this up. That is the description on that IMDb. That is bullshit. That's like a love that almost devours them. Two American newlyweds in Paris experience a love so strong it almost devours them. <sighs> You got to give me another clue, like a date or 2001. A love so strong and almost devours them. Uh, man, I let's see. So it's been <laughs> what have we got so far? It's been horror movie, lifetime, lifetime. Uh, yes. Oh man, you wouldn't would you do 3 lifetimes in a row? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say horror. You are correct. <sighs> you got one. Congra- what was it? Congratulations. That's Trouble Every Day from, as I said, 2001. <laughs> Trouble Every Day. Okay. Who's starring? Is that like even a recognizable? I'm, I could not tell you. All right. Okay, uh, the final the the final movie description for a Lifetime movie or horror movie: When popular and beautiful cheerleader Stacy is stabbed to death, who could have done it? It could have been a an asocial goth girl named Monica. It could uh, it sh- could have been an asocial goth girl, Monica. It could have been angst ridden Jill, or maybe it was the plain girl nobody suspected. Um, hmm. All right. I've got to try to pull it out to win. So, cheerleader is stabbed to death. See, I've never seen this movie, but I feel it could be The Craft. But I don't want to say that because I don't think there's an overt stabbing to set off the plot. Uh. Poker face, poker face. Nah, 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 nah. Is that a clue? No. I'm just showing you my poker face. Uh, Got nobody. 
All right. I think it's a Lifetime movie. You are correct. Yeah. This was not a total loss. That was A Friend to Die For, 1994 Lifetime movie. Really pulling out the... That was... Two for five. That was rough. That's a 25-year-old Lifetime movie. Wow, that is a... Those first three are... Man, that was a golden list. You've really... I discovered, You're really coming to your own. I discovered a treasure trove. I know Damn. I know how to do it now. Wow. So with that, let's move on to horror movie news. This just Once again, thank you very much, King of All Badgers. I love you for making our drops. That was I like that one. Yeah, that was great. So, The Haunting of Hill House has been renewed for season two. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Woot, woot. Everybody's going to be excited about that. And I've um, I've made some uh, guesses as to how they're going to do season two, because I suspected it was going to, to happen long ago. As soon as I watched it, I was like, they're going to... They're going to do it. Well, yeah, two. they set it up for. I mean, I'm amazed that people didn't understand that that's what they were doing with the ending. Like, some people were like, oh, what about the ending, though? And I'm like, well, obviously, they're setting it up as an anthology series. Right. Yeah. Clearly, this is going to be about all the other ghosts, all the stories yeah. of all the other ghosts in the house. Right. But everybody I talked to about it, they're like, I don't know. It's kind of, it looks like it's kind of over to me. I don't know about that. I don't know. Seems. So the uh, streaming giant Netflix has ordered a new installment in what they are calling the Haunting Anthology, meaning the next chapter of the horror series will feature an entirely new story and new characters from those seen in the first season. Shocking. That's pretty much exactly how I called it. In addition, Netflix has entered into a multi-year overall television deal with series creator Mike Flanagan and executive producer Trevor Macy. Under the deal, Flanagan and Macy will produce new TV projects exclusively for Netflix. So, that's exciting. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, because I, I really love Mike Flanagan, but I hope that he's not, like, turning away other movie projects to do series for Netflix. I mean, he, I mean, he's made some of the best, like, consistent horror movies of, I mean, the, of the last decade. I think the way they do this kind of stuff... Is is very similar to how like comic books they do comic books right? So they get a notable writer to do the first run, you know, the first arc. Yeah. So they get some big, you know, Bendis or something like that to do the first arc of a new a new run of whatever it is, Amazing Spider Man or whatever, yeah. and then. And then they bring in the pinch hitters after that once they got the subscribership there. So, I mean, his, you know, then they just give throw him an executive producer credit or something like that. And he's in on the, on the, you know, pre, on the pre-pitch and then he, he okays it and then walks away or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he was the actual director for the series for Haunting. Yeah, I, I believe but, he was. Um, so... The other thing that that you didn't mention, they talked about what the topic of the season two is going to be, and that it's going to be an adaptation of the turning of the screw. Oh, yeah, you mentioned which, which is interesting because Steven Spielberg is coming out with a remake of the Turn of the Screw oh. in a movie yeah. format. So it's kind of interesting that they're both there's going to be two remakes at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I I trust Mike Flanagan to put his uh his uh 
you know, level of goodness on it. So, also in Shutter in uh, horror movie news, Shutter is already the go-to source for watching horror movies, but the streaming service is expanding its reach into the audio world as well. So, bad news for us. Last year, Shutter launched the Video Palace audio drama, and this year they're launching three new podcasts that should be must-listen experiences for diehard horror fans. You got Eli Roth's History of Horror, uncut. You got she Kills, hosted by genre legend Adrian Barbeau, who was in Creepshow, which we reviewed a little little while ago. And finally, you have vi- the one that I'm most excited for, Visitations, with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. So a quick rundown of those. Eli Roth's History of Horror Uncut premieres, uh, I think it already premiered? It premieres February 22nd and is a companion to the television series Eli Roth's History of Horror. The Shudder original podcast takes things to a new level with the full uncut interviews that Eli Roth and his producers conducted for the show. Over the course of 12 episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror Uncut will offer listeners hours of never-before-heard candid conversations with Roth and Stephen King, Edgar Wright, Quentin Tarantino, Diablo Cody, Brian Fuller, and a bunch of people who you don't care about quite so much, except for maybe Bruce Campbell, Rob Zombie, and Josh Josh Hartnett. I was going to say, you better care about Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. (laughs) You also got She Kills. Um, The rundown on that one is uh, experience the genre through the female gaze as She Kills, uh, hosted by actor, author, and movie icon Adrian Barbeau of The Fog Creep Show and Escape from New York. She Kills is a Shutter original podcast and is about women in horror. So that'll be a good one. And then, as I mentioned before, the one that I'm most excited for is Visitations with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. Boundary-breaking indie production company Spectre Vision partners with Daniel Noah, Josh Waller, Lisa Wallen, and Elijah Wood and has given the world game-changing horror films like A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and Mandy. Now, Wood and Noah invite listeners to join them as they drop in on some of their most creative friends and colleagues for casual conversations at locations of their subjects' choosing. At their homes, on set, or in their personal workshops in the 10-episode Shutter original podcast, Visitations. So they... Uh, so that's all audio too. Is, is are any of these video? Podcasts? I imagine, yeah. So so there is a podcast section on Shutter that you can actually watch recorded podcasts. Um, so I, it would not surprise me if these were recorded as well. Uh, I should say visually recorded uh, episodes will feature Anna Lily, Anna Lily, Amir Poor, some names I can't pronounce: John Landis, Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon will be a good one. Mm-hmm. And Flying Lotus. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. The um, the She Kills will be interesting. I watched the... There's a documentary on Shudder called... Uh, what's it called? It's the, it's the Black... The Black Horror documentary. Horror Noir or Noir oh, Horror or yeah, something like that. Yeah, Horror Noir. Horror Noir. And it <clears throat> just kind of tells the history of african-american depiction or involvement in horror movies and it was really good it was really interesting dude it's like i would i would definitely suggest if you have shutter or even if you don't if you want to get the free trial that's almost worth the price of admission because it's a really good uh 
rundown of the history of one part of the genre um that really kind of uh opened my eyes to like wow this is yeah as a demographic that consumes horror like as far as demographics that consume horror goes the the black demo is huge like they just typically like it's something you're looking for for your movie and just realizing that you know the you know early on not surprisingly the depictions of of black people in you know 20s horror movies was either they are the villain right or you know like in uh birth of a nation yeah either they are the villain or they're the ridiculous you know foil of yeah. like oh oh no yeah boop, boop, boop. you know like and, the guy uh, like the guy in uh, sleepaway camp yeah but even even then um early early on there was legitimate like african-american film and like horror movies that were made back in the black and white silent era that you just don't know about yeah but they're very important in terms of like african-american filmmaking and then it goes into you know because to me if i was i would i didn't know anything about it i would just be like oh yeah i mean the whole trope of the black person gets killed first is yeah. like yeah, that's the that's the funny thing that gets referenced over and over again, and that must have been just a huge trope for for history. It is the ultimate trope. Like that's the that's almost the rule in horror movies. Yeah, just exploring how how it's expanded, and it doesn't feel like anything's particularly like solved yet. But definitely, once they get to get out, it's it's like okay, this is an important moment. You know? Yeah. I mean the the two important moments are. You know, Candyman, yeah, which is you know an African American horror movie, definitely, and then Get Out, which is you know a new and next month Us, yeah, next month Us, which we'll be reviewing. Anyways, yeah, get get Shutter. It's got lots of good content, original content on there. Enter HMT at checkout. Hole in the Ground, a new indie movie from A twenty four, is being reviewed as utterly terrifying. Uh, it's a it's a horror film from Ireland. The hole in the ground manages to feel fresh and original while going through a checklist of tried and tested horror tropes. Don't move to a scheduled. Don't move to a secluded rural house. Don't go into the dark forest. Definitely don't do either of those things if you're a single mom with a young child. Director and co-writer Lee Cronin uses the classic these classic ideas to great effect weaving a disturbing tale around a mother's love for her son. The titular hole is not a metaphor. When young mother Sarah moves to a new home with her son, Chris, she comes across something terrifying and unexplained in a nearby forest. Chasing Chris through the trees, she comes to an abrupt halt at the edge of a vertigo-inducing sinkhole. That's what you should say if you come to a deep, dark hole in Ireland. This is notable because Bryce and I have had a long-standing feud about the dangerousness of sinkholes. (laughs) Yeah, I I, uh, maintain maintain that out of all the natural disasters. disasters that can befall man on Earth, the most terrifying is sinkholes. And I maintain that it is definitely earthquakes. 
because there's no way out of an earthquake whereas and it's larger the 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 epicenter is much larger a sinkhole yeah you can't get out if you're in the sinkhole but if you're a couple feet to the right you're okay <coughs> okay here's here's my case for sinkholes yes uh earthquakes are larger they create more destruction absolutely but more deaths but you can um feel the oncoming of it or you can be warned that it's going to happen this, like, a similar thing can happen with a sinkhole the ground can start to give and then you can be like oh i better vacate this premises yeah i don't Post-haste. know uh, the the earthquake you can like you can get in the doorway you can get under a table you can like go just out in an open field and you'll be fine like there's there's ways to escape a sinkhole the earth opens up and swallows you yeah underneath your feet i mean i i mean in the in the extreme scenario yes in the extreme scenario with the sinkhole it happens immediately in the slow boring version of a sinkhole no that doesn't happen at all you just you just walk away same thing with a small earthquake versus a big earthquake the difference is magnitude earthquakes affect more people kill many more and uh, i don't know man i just uh I just feel and there's no way to to there's something about a sinkhole of you being there and then being gone i don't know why how i am still arguing this years later but here we are the debate rages on it's let just, us let us know what you think is more terrifying <laughs> earthquakes or sinkholes and i look at like the after effects of an earthquake and like oh yeah look at all those buildings that are down like that's a lot of that that's a lot of damage <laughs> but i look at a sinkhole and it's a black hole where no light can escape. It's garbage day! <laughs> Anyways. Oh, finally, John Krasinski tweeted that he was starting production on A Quiet Place 2, which he wrote and will direct as he did the first. So everyone, say yay! Yay! yay. So that's good news. Nobody else at the helm. Just good old John Krasinski. Just old Jim Having babies with Pam. Mm-hmm. Lovely. He should, they should like just have a hard left turn and, and have it, um, have Dwight come in on the movie. <laughs> Beat Farmer. Yeah. <laughs> Dwight would actually be in the scenario, yeah. <laughs> in the scenario of A Quiet Place, Dwight would be indispensable. He would. He knows how to farm. He has great survival skills. He knows Krav, Krav Maga. You know, I mean, yeah. There's he. I'd take Dwight over, over, definitely over Jim. I mean, obviously over Jim. Right. <clears throat> so with that, thank you very much for listening to our show, even through the hot poop talk and the soaking talk. Make sure to share us with a friend if you can. It's the only way we can grow. Please. You know what? I'm I'm gonna take. I'm gonna add on to that. Share with a friend because we know you can. We know you can. It's not if you can. Just do it. Just do it, man. You fucking look at you sitting at there you. just listening to I free know. podcasts. Just just you got blood on your hands, buddy. You got a thumb. You got a phone. Just do Share it. Share that shit. You fucking idiot. You idiot. Also enter a <laughs> enter to to get a free month of of trial at sh- of a shutter. You fucking trial. piece of shit. <laughs> you shitty person. 
make sure to enter HMT at checkout on sh- at Shutter.com and get 30-day free trial of that service. It's really fun. You can watch Summer of 84 on there. Also, make sure to bookmark our Amazon Associates link. It's at the top of our page, HorrorMovieTalk.com. Special thanks to everyone who shares our shit. And with that, y'all have a great week now. Bye-bye. Bye! We love you.